You may be seated. Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be camped out there tonight. We are just a little bit over halfway through a sermon series from the book of Mark. I call it Following Jesus Immediately. And tonight we look at verses 13 through 16 of chapter 10. Now, help me tonight. I need you all to close your eyes for, for just a moment. And as your eyes are closed, I want you to think about your picture of Jesus and little children. Now open your eyes. This is the picture that I got off the internet. My picture of Jesus and a little child. As you're looking at my picture, think about this story. Little Casey, little five-year-old Casey is on the playground. And she's swinging big and having a great time. And unfortunately, she loses her grip and she falls out of the swing. She hits on her knees and her knees are all skinned up. There's, there's blood, you know, all around and, and she's crying. Little Casey is crying and her little baby sister, just three years old, she runs up to her big sister, Casey, and, and she hugs her and says, it's okay. You know, she sees all the blood. She says, it's, you know, it's okay, Casey. Don't worry. If you die, you go to heaven. At that point, Casey starts crying even louder. And she says, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to kindergarten. Oh, children. We love children, don't we? Children, children are the life of a congregation. I love children with their simple faith, their unpretentious expressions, and Jesus loves them too. So what about the next generation? What about the next generation? How do we help our young people, the next generation, to get to know and love Jesus as much or even more than we do. Look now at verse 13 again. Chapter 10. Then they, who's they? Answer, we can't tell you for sure. We would assume it's probably the parents of these little children, but we don't know for sure. Then they brought little children to him. What reason? That he might touch them. They wanted their child to be in contact with the Lord. They wanted their child to meet the Messiah. They wanted their child to be there with Jesus. But, but the disciples, the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Can, can you just hear it? Can you just hear those disciples saying, well, the master, the master's too busy. The master's too busy. Don't bother the master. You know, he's too busy to be bothered with children. We would never do anything like that, would we? Well... We might not be so blatant, 
But sometimes our attitudes and our actions say to children, you're not welcome here. You know, they sit down close to us and we look over there and they're making a lot of noise and they're loud and we, you know, we don't like that. And maybe we give them that look, you know, that look. What is our attitude? What does our actions say to our young people? The way we respond can draw them in closer to Jesus or can push them away. Jesus' first disciples here, they pushed the children away and their families with them. And Jesus, well, Jesus didn't appreciate that. Verse number 14, but when Jesus saw it, when Jesus saw what they were doing, he was greatly displeased. Circle that phrase, greatly displeased. What does it mean? It means righteous indignation. How dare you do that? Why would you do something like that? You know better. He was greatly displeased and said to who? His disciples. The ones who should have known better. Now remember, they have been with Jesus for some time. They know of His love for children. And they had done this against children. He was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. You don't stand in their way. You don't act as a hindrance to them. Do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. If we want to become the kind of church where young people get to know and love Jesus as much or more than we do, then we must be careful not to hinder our young people in any way. You know, we have things like lads and leaders. We have youth trips, Bible studies, fellowship, youth fellowship events. Those are all important because what is it doing? It's encouraging our young people. I'm going to say something. Brandy, put your hands over your ears for just a moment. What Billy and Brandy are doing here is much, 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 much more important than what I'm doing. Their work with our young people is so vital because our young people is not just the church of tomorrow. Our young people is the church of today. They're so, so very important. Children matter. You know, that was, the, that was the idea that Walt Disney, the man Walt Disney had so many years ago. His first creation was Disneyland in California. His dream was to create an unforgettable experience for children. Why? Because Walt Disney wanted a place where children mattered and children were important. Let me quote him. Walt Disney said this, Both my study of Scripture 
and my career in entertaining children have taught me to cherish them. And that's exactly what he did in his life. Do we cherish our children? Do they matter to us? Now, I'm not saying that we need to become another Disneyland. No, no, that's not what. Uh, God has not called us to be a, an amusement park. We are not in the entertainment business. We're in the worship business, the worship of God. But at the same time, we can be a safe place, a safe place where children can come to know our Lord. Now, I'm going to do something, Jim. Um, I may get in trouble. You may be having me as an overnight guest, okay, because I may get in trouble here. I'm going to do something that may get me in trouble. In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. If you, in just a moment, I'll tell you when to stand. If you have ever taught Children here, when I say children, I'm talking college age and below. If you've ever taught children here, if you've ever been involved in teaching vacation Bible school, if you've ever uh, been involved in preparing teaching materials, if you've ever been a teaching assistant of children, if you've had any way, any way of impacting children here at 70 West, for just a moment, I want you all to stand and remain standing. This is your time, okay? Jim, thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate that. Remain standing. Remain standing, please. You're looking at my heroes. Look around. You're looking at my heroes. We have some, we have some uh, teenagers that have also taught, so some of you teenagers need to stand. You are my heroes. My heroes, because you're making a difference. And I appreciate it so very much. From the bottom of my heart, I love you. You may be seated. Thank you so much. You are making a difference with our children. Just recently, I'm not going to tell who this was. He knows who I'm talking about. Just recently, I had someone to make a comment to me about how she appreciated, she had wanted, once attended here years ago, and she appreciated this man so much for making her feel important. You know who I'm talking about, so uh, uh, he knows. I told him the story. We want to make our children feel important. We want to make our children feel like they matter, because why? Because they do matter. They are important to us. Our children, that's, that's an important ministry. These are important ministries because we don't reach the children, we're not likely to reach them as, as adults. Did you know that? For most of us, we become Christians before the age of 21. Now, I know, I know we have people who become Christians later, I know. But the majority of us became a Christian before we were 21. And each one of us, each one of us, you have a teacher that impacted you, that made a difference in your life. For me, it was a man that, uh, he was born with a disability. In fact, if you had ever met him, his body was like this. 
He had a, a large hump on his back. He was born that way. And for whatever reason, he, Clyde Bowling, he adopted me and about six other kids my age to be his kids. He never was married. He never had kids of himself. But he claimed the seven of us as his kids. He started with us, now get this, a man, he started with us teaching us when we were four years old. And he continued until we were teenagers, until he got too sick to teach any longer. As we would move up, <laughs> Clyde would move up. He would come to our activities at school. He didn't have children in school. He would take time out. He was a farmer. He would take time out. He'd get cleaned up. He would come to our school, and you could look out in the audience, and there would be Brother Clyde sitting there. And the biggest applause would always come from him. And when we succeeded, when we made achievements, he was so proud of each of us. He would send you a card in the mail. Say, I just saw that you made the honor roll. Way to go, Michael. You know how much that made me feel? How you know how that made me feel? That made me feel about 10 feet tall. When you do something like that, you are making a difference with young people. The sad fact is as older people get they're less likely to respond to the gospel. We've got to reach them as they are growing up. So, we must do everything we can to bring a child to Jesus. To bring a child to Jesus. I was privileged to work several years on a thing called bus ministry. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's buying an old bus, cleaning it up, painting it up, and sending it out to pick up children. It would be cold in the winter, and those buses would be so cold. And those buses were like furnaces in the summer. They'd be so hot. I love teaching and helping those children. Because every child we could reach was a victory. We saw many children becoming Christians and remaining Christians as they became adults. And it all started with bus ministry. It was bringing a child to Jesus. Was it a lot of work? Oh, you better believe it. It was a lot of work. We started an hour and a half before services. We ended an hour and a half after services, if we were lucky, okay? <laughs> Sometimes it was longer, but it was making a difference. We've got to look at bringing children to our Lord. We must do everything we can to reach them when they're young. And we dare not do anything that hinders a child from coming to Jesus. I told you about the story of one young man that we had converted from the community. And he had got up to do a Wednesday night talk. 
the Wednesday night service was directed by our young men. And I was proud of him because he came from a non-Christian background. His parents were not Christians, would not even pretend to be Christians. And I was so proud of him getting up there to do that. And as you might remember the story, one of our members criticized him. Why? Because he called the Holy Spirit an it. He didn't realize I was planning to go and sit him down and, and gently, lovingly show him how the Holy Spirit, that's God the Spirit, and God the Spirit is not an it. But one of our members, you know, rushed up to him and said, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. That young man left the auditorium in tears. That was the last time that young man was ever in our auditorium. And to the best of my knowledge, he's an unfaithful Christian today. I ran across this and I had to copy it. It's a poem. Please listen to the words. I took a piece of plastic clay and oddly fashioned it one day. As my fingers pressed it still, it moved and yielded to my will. I came again when the days were past and the bit of clay was hard at last. The form I gave it is still bore, but I could change that form no more. I took a piece of living clay and gently formed it day by day and molded it with my power in art, a young child's soft and yielding heart. I came again when the days were gone. It was a man I looked upon. He still that early impress wore, but I could change that form no more. If our children were tape recorders and they had a button to play back all the words that we say to them, would we be proud as parents, as grandparents? Would we be proud of what we have said to them? Because our words leaves that impression upon their hearts. We are molding them like a piece of clay. If we want to reach the next generation, then we must bring a child to Jesus. More than that, we must be a child ourselves. We must, uh, we must throw off all the pretension and the stuffy sophistication and put on the simple faith of a child. That's what Jesus tells us to do. Verse 15. Assuredly. What does that mean? You can take it to the bank. Believe on me. This is true. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Simple faith. Believing in Jesus. Believing in His promises. Becoming that child of God. 
that newborn child of God. Lord willing, next Sunday morning, as we continue our journey through Mark, we'll be starting with verse 17. The story of that rich young ruler. And that rich young ruler, he missed getting into the kingdom. Why? Because he lacked that simple faith. He put too much emphasis on the wrong things. A young father and his 10-year-old son, Zach, were out west. They were uh, climbing on the mountains, the stone mountains of the ledges out there. And, and suddenly, Zach calls out. He says, Dad, catch me. And, and the father looks up because the sound came from above, and it was his son. His son had climbed out on a ledge and decided just to jump off. And as he jumped off, he said, Dad, catch me. He was about 10 feet above his dad. <laughs> what could the dad do? The dad just tried his best and, and caught him, but he, they all kind of fell down in a big heap on the ground. After getting over the shock of what had happened, the dad said, Zach, why did you do something like that? <laughs> Zach said, because you're my dad. <laughs> you're my dad. Zach trusted his dad with the simple faith of a child. He didn't stop to consider uh, the details of weight 10 feet above an object below his dad. He didn't consider wind direction and trajectory. He just jumped into the loving arms of his father. And that's what the Lord invites us to do. He invites us to jump into his arms like a little child and trust him. Do we have the simple faith of a child to trust our Lord my friends, if we're going to reach the next generation, if they're going to know and love Jesus like we do, then we must bring a child to Jesus. We must be a child. And finally, we must bless a child. Verse 16, and he took them up in his arms. I love verse 16. I picture verse 16 here. I picture Jesus give them all big old bear hugs. He took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. I'm going to come back in just a moment to that word blessed. We must, we must praise our children with real passion and zeal. We must fervently celebrate who they are and what they can become. Instead of criticizing our young people for their shortcomings, and yes, their children, their young people, they have shortcomings, they make mistakes. Guess what? We did the same thing when, they, when we were their age. Instead of doing that, let's speak well of them with enthusiasm. That's what Jesus did here. The word bless in the Greek means to praise ardently. I'm going to show you the Greek word here, okay? There is a Greek word that's translated bless. 
in your Bible. Does that, it's a two-part word, does that last part look like something to you? It's the word that we eventually get eulogy from. What's a eulogy? A eulogy means to speak well of someone, usually associated at a funeral. We speak well of someone. The first part, the first part is a word that puts emphasis on the second part. Other words, this is not just a mere blessing, a mere admiration, a mere pat on the back. This is enthusiastic approval, blessing. In other words, Jesus didn't just speak well of the children. He spoke with enthusiasm about how wonderful they were. You know, Jesus loved to be around children, but more importantly, children loved to be around Him. Did you catch that? Children loved to be around Him. Now, why would children love to be around Him? Because He received them with enthusiasm. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to speak with enthusiasm about how wonderful our children really are. If all we do is criticize, we'll drive them away. But if we honestly seek to praise them, they'll know that they are loved, appreciated, and they'll keep coming back for more. Bless the children. It's the only way we'll be able to reach and keep the next generation for the church. I've got to tell you the story of Mary Cooper. Mary Cooper was a preschool teacher in Michigan. And she had a problem on the very first day with a little boy. Because this little boy, throughout the day, okay, this little boy would give her a pat on the bottom, her bottom. Well, she didn't like that. She would say, don't do that. But 30 minutes later, he'd be doing it again. And then 30 minutes later, he'd be doing it again. And, and she kept on saying no. Finally, she resorted to putting him in a timeout chair. When his father came to pick him up, the teacher said, I need to talk to you. I've had a problem today. All through the day, your son has given me a pat on my bottom. <laughs> At that point, the dad started chuckling. That was not what Mary Cooper expected to, uh, to be hearing. <laughs> what, what's going on here? The father said, well, you've got to understand something. My son uh, has adopted my passion for football. And he's noticed uh, that the football players uh, from time to time would give each other a, a pat on the back, on, on the bottom uh, there in the huddle. And my son asked me, well, why are they doing that, Dad? And I told my son... I told my son, they were telling each other what a good job they were doing. <laughs> Mary Cooper said, now I understand. He was saying, what a good job you're doing. Too often, too often we jump to conclusions. Too often we're quick to criticize children when we should recognize that sometimes they, they mean well. Now, 
I'm not saying it's never right to discipline our children, because we have to. It's expected. It's required. And we always should correct inappropriate behavior. But even that should be surrounded by a lot of praise and a lot of love for what they do well. If we want our children and grandchildren to know and love Jesus like we do, then we must bring a child to Jesus. We must be a child ourselves. And we must bless a child every chance we get. Right now, I want to put in a plug for something that I want you to consider. I want you to consider lads the leaders and leaderettes. We're a year away from the next activity in Dallas. I want to encourage you as dads and as moms, as granddads and grandmoms, I want you to encourage your child to get involved in Lads the Leaders. I think it's perhaps the greatest teaching tool, the greatest leadership training tool we have in the brotherhood. I want to encourage you to get involved as much as you can because I believe it will pay eternal, eternal dividends. I have a lot of hope for the future because I see what our young people can do. I see what our young people can achieve. And to me, that is so exciting. This evening, are you a Christian? Do you believe? Are you willing to repent, to confess? Are you willing to be baptized? If you are a Christian, and maybe in your life you have not lived as you know you should live, let me ask you a question. Do you need to seek forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. James 5, 16. We're ready for you. Will you make that step? Please come as we stand and sing for your encouragement. Come and